just the general tone of this conversation. I need to listen to more episodes. I think that doesn't get nearly enough attention. So you guys are doing a service with this type of podcast. Doing well. Excited for another good one with some partners here. We had a great one with JD, and now we've got a couple more partners on with us. And it appears that we've shut off the rain, and now someone has turned on the heat. So it's hotter than hell. We're ready to go, and we are dead middle of summer here. So it's been it's been interesting and it's been fun. Yeah. I always love that feeling when the rain stops and then the heat starts and just the mugginess. Like I walk yeah. outside with the glasses and I'm just automatically fogged up. Can't see it. Can't see a thing. So my least favorite experience as a glasses wearer for sure. Adam, how are things going on your side of the world here? Everything pretty good in the Outer Banks and how you doing? Yeah, man. Every, everything is going great. I agree with Scott. The heat seems like it's turned on. I don't know if like spring has just disappeared these days. It's like you go right from winter into a rainy season and hop right into summer, but it's definitely the heat is turned on here at the Outer Banks. The beaches are busy, the roads and the stores are full. It's nice to see all the activity. It's easy to complain if you're in a vacation area because all of a sudden you get an influx of a whole bunch of people. But the reality is they bring a lot of great energy and it's just nice to see a lot of people out here. And and from a person who lives in a vacation area, it's nice to see everybody here because that's why we can live here. So it's great to, to see all the vacationers here. I'm sure we'll dig into some trends that we're all seeing across the, the different markets that we've got here on the call. But to tie the pieces together, Excited for this one. As Scott mentioned, we had a really good discussion with JD, who's a partner down in Florida last week. And we're going to continue that this week with a discussion here with two Eric's. I'll let them do their introductions as Connor gets around to it. But continuing the discussion about where we see value for vacation rental managers partnering with TAN. And as I mentioned on the last one, we'll talk about two different company names, TAN Travel Advantage Network. That's the Vacation Rental Club. And then we've got Rev Boost Collective, which is just the group of managers that are leveraging the vacation rental or the TAN model to partner with us to build out guaranteed rent into their business models and vice versa, helping us get some inventory to bring into the Vacation Rental Club. So excited for this one and looking forward to hearing some stories from some of our partners. Yeah, I think it'll be great and looking forward to getting some background. So maybe Eric Thibodeau, I'll start with you first, if you don't mind, down in not Florida, but Gulf Shores, Alabama. So Eric, would love to hear just a little bit of background about you, current tides, how maybe, how maybe you got down there into Gulf Shores. And then also, if you don't mind, could you also give us a song that best describes you? Yeah, the song that best describes me, I don't know if it best describes me, we'll go with the George Strait, the fireman. So we, we do a lot of firefighting in, in <laughs> short-term rentals and uh, but yeah, so my background, I grew up in South Louisiana. I worked in oil and gas for a major corporation for 30 years. I just retired there. Along the way, about 20 years ago, we started doing investing in owning short-term vacation rentals. I'm in Fredericksburg, Texas right now. We just have our new one here we're working on. And 2019, we started Current Tides Vacation Rentals in Gulf Shores and Orange Beach, Alabama with no properties, except the ones that we currently owned. And today we have 56 properties and probably, I think, 10 employees maybe. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. Thanks for that background. We'll go to towards the other Eric's direction. Very different uh, area that you're based in, Eric, I know, out there in Maine. So we'd love to just get a little background of how you settled there in Maine, and then we'll have you the same song question your way as well. Yeah, so I'll get the song question out of the way, like what you talked about, beat it or everything. So I landed on, it's an indie rock band, hopefully you guys are familiar with Death Cab for Cutie, 
any anybody. Okay, yes, I am. <laughs> and then I thought it was fitting. You are a Taurus. If you, if the song's familiar, it's not so much. It's not related to being a Taurus, but it's more about like a drive to do more than what's right in front of you. That's it's like the second song I thought of. I'm like, yeah, I'll stick with that. Just I didn't even realize that was the title of the song, so I went to look at it. I'm like, oh, that's pretty fitting. <laughs> you nailed it. With that. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit back, a little bit about myself. So apologies to anyone who tuned in hoping to get a classic Maine accent here from the person from Maine. So born and raised in central Pennsylvania, uh, moved to Maine in early 2005 with a opportunity with Walmart Logistics. So I was with Walmart Logistics from 2005 until we bought Jordan Rentals, which is located in the Sebago Lake region of Maine. In December of 2020 is when we bought it. You know, usually the reaction is, oh, you bought it right in the middle of COVID. We felt, I think it probably helped our chances on getting it because we stuck our neck out there a little bit, but felt comfortable about it. A little bit sidebar on that, I guess. What got me even into from logistics to the rental business was I started acquiring apartment buildings back in 2012. So from 2012, 2017, purchased four buildings, 19 units. So we had an idea of renting, knew how to do that, just not on the short-term side of it or anything to do with lake, lakes in general. I, I tell people, I, don't need, I didn't know what a mooring was on a lake. So I had a lot to learn and this will be our third year doing it this year, learning every day. And we've got, I think we bought the business. It's, it's, up and down all the time with inventory. I think we were in about the 70 range. We're just shy of a hundred right now. So we're going in the right direction. Yeah, no, Eric, for sure. You, and, sorry, Conrad, Eric, did you hold on to those long-term rentals as well? Oh yeah, yeah. The, we still have a big, big portion of those ones for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and we can get into like, it's balancing, right? The new, it's balancing the people have been doing it since the sixties with the people that are coming through on this brand new wave, they want ground, granite countertop. I'm talking from the owner perspective, right? On the owner side. So it is balancing. We're definitely balancing both sides of the coin on that deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, yeah, I, I left out the whole long-term rental side. Yeah. We started in 2009, Eric, everyone. Uh, we walked at the height. We probably had around 6,000 apartment units. And today we probably have 4,000. Mostly passive. We did a lot of selling in the last few years. So super experienced at long-term rentals. Matter of fact, we may be going back and doing some more of them, but uh, short-term rentals is where we really are focused at today. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of unique challenges with both. So maybe we can get started on the business model. That was the first thing in our outline that maybe we wanted to go to. So I guess I'll keep picking on you first. Thibodeau, tell us a little bit about the business model. So is it your traditional approach where you have a commission that you're charging and some fees alongside of it? Or do you have a different way that you actually work with the owner of the short-term rental properties? Yeah. So current tides is basically we've always been no owner fees. So we we do a commission. I don't know if you want me to talk what those are. They range anywhere from 16 to 20%, but our owners don't pay any fees, no, no fees at all. Now they'll pay an owner fee when they come in, let's say when they want to clean their unit, cleaning fee. However, that's been the model. The Gulf Shores Orange Beach location is working now on 20,000 uh, properties that are used for short-term use. The market is probably about 30 competitors, so it's really competitive and easy to deliver. 
we just had a call the other day and said we need to nail down the three things as we go into owner acquisition time. But what are the three things that we need to deliver to owners of what we do different than or better than anybody else in the market? So, yeah, that that's kind of what we're doing. We started and grew. Uh, we grew mostly organically, but we did have one acquisition. We also managed two HOAs. When we started out, we also managed 30 long-term rentals, which we've let those go and just focusing on short-term rentals and HOA business. We have our own laundry facility. It's a small one, right? But still have our own laundry facility that we up. So we just grew organically. There's five owners today in current tides and we all work in different aspects of the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Adam, that came up last time, didn't it? Where there was the HOA angle to be able to acquire inventory and get those ins. What's your thoughts on that, I guess, Adam, as a way to open the door to talking with owners in that building and property managers in that building to be more of their friend, maybe, and also figure out a way to to get more doors under your management program? Yeah, I think there's definitely pros and cons to HOA management. I think that the margins are thinner, but I think that to your point, Conrad, there's a big opportunity to start to get to know those individual homeowners and get your branding out there so that they know your company name and what you offer. Eric Thibodeau, do you find that anyone else in your market is not charging fees, owner fees? No, most people are charging different types of fees. And when we were starting out, we just had to differentiate ourselves. That's what we thought. Yeah. Yeah, but I've also seen some of the bigger players stop charging fees to owners. So it is getting more competitive. Commissions are dropping to be more competitive. One property management company in our location is charging 5%. I mean, wow. Wow. Yeah. Share how you open your doors for 5%. <laughs> yeah. You play a lot of tricks in the back end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, their doors have been open for a while and they could probably do it with some larger properties. So. Yeah. But yeah. That's something we could do. Yeah. Maybe Eric, we'll go your direction then on your side of things. So you acquired the company. I imagine yep. some of the contracts that you acquired were under a certain agreement. So how has that kind of model changed for you? Did you keep the way that things worked before with the old owners that you picked it up from in 2020? Or did you change the approach either on existing contracts or new owners that you've signed since then? No, we've pretty much we've stayed the course on the 20% with some negotiation built in if we have to, but just doing the 20% commission. As far as just the business model in general, we're, it's just me. And then we sub everything out, like from the, like we have a cleaning company that leases space from us in our office that takes the majority of the cleaning process. And then we work with some sm other smaller cleaning companies for some stuff on the outlying parts of it. So that's something different that the previous owners did. They tried to run the cleaning company. I don't say try, they did it, but they ran it you know, internally as part mm -hmm. of their business. And that was one of the first things that, from my perspective, that I didn't want to do. I wanted to make sure there was sole focus on that side of it, which you guys have talked at length about too, the cleaning side of it. it's definitely a big deal. Yeah, no, and we just, in. I'd like to say that we're not doing a lot to try to drum up new business. It comes our way a lot, luckily, knock on wood. I think we, for the sake of the Jordan Rentals brand, I feel like we probably came in at a good time. The previous owners were older and just really stuck in, we're talking pen and paper, the whole deal, like everything on paper, no social media presence, nothing like that. So we, we came in there and just started making stuff simpler as much as we could to try to show the benefit. And we're taught, we're trying to play both sides of the, 
both sides of it a little bit where, like I talked about earlier, appealing to the people who've been doing it forever, that's owners and renters, but also bringing it up a little bit and modernizing it. So we're like, balancing that out. It's going well. We're we're ahead of where we were last year, even though we're less days. So we've been acquiring bigger properties, which is good. And uh, the market has just the rates. I came in 2020, right? It's been, and I've heard you guys talk about this too. It's just been nuts, right? I don't know any different. I don't know before 2020. And we'll get into why I think pain's important for this now that I see it. Yeah, it's been going well. I'd say that you nailed it with that acquisition strategy, Eric, because if you think about all these other companies that are out there acquiring, that is the sweet spot. You And I'm sure that there are plenty of these companies out there, but they're hard to uncover. If you find a company that is still operating the same way they were 20, 30 years ago, it's a huge opportunity to step yeah. in and modernize it and bring all the tools in that you just talked about. And you simplify that and the whole operation changes very quickly. So kudos to you for finding the right opportunity. Oh, appreciate it. Yeah, I was looking for... So back to the, for years, I was doing well with the apartments. I'm like, I want to get out of my day job, right? And just looking and looking. And I was like, and where my house is and where the office is, it's 15 minutes apart. I'm like, this is too good to be true. So I'll give a little background on that too. And this is one of the reasons why I, other than separate markets, which I think offer a little bit of a different model and a little bit of a different discussion. One of the reasons why I thought this discussion would be good with both of the Eric's is that Eric Rawls has our roles. I'd probably mispronounced that for you, but he actually, we've got history with Jordan Rentals going back 15 plus years. So the previous owners were, were working with Tan for an extended period of time. Now, Eric Thibodeau, we just started working with over the last six months. So from a business model perspective, you got Eric Rolls, who's trying to come in, modernize, stabilize the operation that's already there. And then you've got Eric Thibodeau, who's doing some really interesting things. No fees is just one of them, but doing some interesting things to try to grow and scale that business. So looking at TAN from those different perspectives, maintaining inventory, maintaining owners and guests, and then going and looking at how you grow it and start to think about where do we leverage this in order to get interest and draw homeowners in or potentially build up a revenue stream that we might not have had otherwise. It's interesting to see how the models can fit together and where TAN can plug into both of them. Yeah. And that's what I was saying about coming in 2020 and I'm learning all these new things, right? No, I don't know anything about it. And then the owners are, this is Travel Advantage Network. It's a thing. They come up, you give them the stuff and it's going, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's like way back here in my head. And then we go through, that was just the first year. The second year, the market is still crazy. And so all the properties that you guys had worked with not all of them but there's a, a few of them they're seeing these little cabins off to the off the water just killing it and i'm like yeah i see why i see why you want that i see it and how it has and i was talking to brian about this even before i even had really any data in front of me about it probably back in january or so seeing or i could just see it. I could see that the in, the amount of inventory, not only with Jordan rentals, but in the whole market was getting out of control, like way too much inventory for guests. And we work with some of the bigger brands that we integrate with the big platforms. I don't think we're supposed to mention them on the podcast that one of those, the inventory just in the Sebago Lake region on that one platform is up 20% from what was last year. So to me, like I saw it in January, like I said, December, January, where I'm like, 
oh, now I can see why this makes sense. Because there's too much, even just for what I have, I, we're never going to fill this stuff. And it was a, my opinion, you know, over this big, or this, this stretch of COVID, every, tons of people wanted to move to Maine. The housing market has been nuts up here. And realtors would, and I'm generalizing here, but there's a lot of people who are buying stuff that's not, say, on the water, which is, that's the where all the money's at, is on the water. And trying to convince these people, that people or buyers, that they could buy these properties and rent them Memorial Day to Labor Day, nonstop, forget about it. And then you can have ice fishermen in the winter and all this stuff. And that's where all this inventory has come from. And now people there, you can see it all over all the groups that people share on and stuff. There is more availability than I've seen in the three years that I've been here. So insert why getting you guys more and more of our inventory going forward will be a good thing. Yeah, we uh, so we stepped out and through our RevBoost collective efforts, we partnered with someone else in Maine and it got off to a rough start and to the point where we had to actually start taking inventory away. And I think, Eric, that's when Booz reached out and Eric's message to Booz was like, stop, you need something in Maine, you come to me. And let me tell you, that resonated very much with Booz because... He came down and said, no, Eric's ready. We, if we yep. want more, he's given us more. So it is, that's where, and I think we we touched on this a little bit with JD too, right? Once we lock in on solid partnerships like this, like we're happy to stay and say, that's our partner, right? That's where we're going. So we much in, you know, Eric Thibodeau, that's our focus, right? We've even talked to them, like we're not looking to give every vendor or every partner down in Gulf Shores this advantage. We're looking to say, if this is theirs, right? If this is their activities, then let it be his. And when we need inventory, we know where to go. So I, I think, you know, Eric's story about what we're seeing in Maine and Conrad, we talked a little bit about this, even with Amy Hino, right? It's these sections that it's starting, the story that we're starting to read that everyone wants to be big, the story is there. It's just starting in smaller localized areas, right? Where Amy would have said, yeah, that's what I said on the podcast, right? People are buying just off where the people want to be. That's the stuff that's starting to suffer. So I, I think it's it, now we're getting into the recurring message. And I love hearing how Eric's putting it to work. And again, for us, it's been a home run. Our 10 clients love Maine. They've loved Maine forever. And now we're looking to step up and give them even more options. Mm -hmm. The uh, conversation, obviously, Eric Thibodeau, you weren't there. So I guess I'm curious your perspective on this. So those 56, 60 units you have right now in the short-term rental program, what is the focus there? Are you guys focused on condos? Are you focused on homes? Are you focused on, to this point from earlier, all the waterfront, oceanfront stuff? Is there stuff that's like less desirable in terms of location that's still appealing? I guess I'm curious your inventory mix and then what inventory ended up making sense for TAN compared to the other units that you have in your program as well. Yeah, so we're open to just about all properties in Gulf Shores, Orange Beach that are zoned for short-term rentals. It really gets down to we will look at the property and we will look at the owner and have a conversation there. We have a lot of beachfront properties. We probably have seven homes that uh, do fairly well. Mm -hmm. And when we were introduced to TAN back, maybe March or April, I can't remember, it was through a Venturi Mastermind We we got turned on and we identified 13 of our properties that were that we thought TAN could be able to be a good source for. 
only two of those owners said yes. And then now a third one's come back and said, okay, uh, we're ready. And so we're working with them right now. And there's, uh, we've got this, I'll call it the tan strategy as we go on. We've got these whole buildings in Gulf Shores and some in Orange Beach, mostly in Gulf Shores that we're ready to just target and go after. Bring, we're starting owner acquisition now. We've already begun. And so we've identified there's some, the beachfront places in Gulf Shores are really hard to have in a tan because they, they generate a good amount of income, 50000 there and going up. But there are some that are off the beach across the street that uh, back on the golf course that just are prime, prime for, for tan. We've got a couple of complexes where we offer them. And I think what's going to happen is everybody looked at what we were doing the last couple of years and said, why would I want this tan offering? We were begging them. Because we could see that what was happening in the market, they could just not make the same revenue they made the last few years, and that the TAN offer with the guaranteed income was going to be better. And I think the first one said, the first one came back already and said, okay, we're ready. And I expect the others will be coming as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So you had 13 targeted and only two, but now you're up to three. So I'm happy to hear we're getting another one. But what was the response from the homeowners? Did they feel like they could do better by putting it out onto the retail market? They felt like their revenue would be higher? They did. They did. They thought if we could market it. And what was really interesting, Adam, is we knew we couldn't. The, the offer that TAN gave was better than we had in our best market time of 2021 and 2022. And it just didn't register with them. And that's understandable, right? A lot of people think, hey, this is going to continue forever. And we know it just won't. I think there's an underlying point there, and this is industry-wide, and it, it's homeowner education and it's homeowner communication. It's hard for these homeowners. We live it day in and day out, so it's easy to think this just makes sense. Like, obviously, markets are going to change and it's going to be cyclical. But especially for a lot of these homeowners who got in the last few years, they don't know what they don't know. And they're walking into a hornet's nest if they think that they're just going to continue to grow and the revenues are going to continue to grow in the same way that they have over the last few years. Now, to some degree, I think they put on blinders themselves to, to think that. But we've got to be better as managers to go out and educate them and help them understand that. But I'm happy to hear, Eric Thibodeau, that you guys were giving them that message. Like, look, this isn't going to keep going like this. These are good offers. And I'll be interested to see if the other 11 or so that you made that offer to, if they come back as we get towards the end of this year. Yeah, yeah certainly. And we, like I said, we have a, a, a strategy now we, we've been start employing to pick up some of the buildings. And we reviewed those with Brian and he said, yep, we know those properties there. And they're good. There's another interesting point, And I don't know if we ended up getting a unit in one of these buildings, but wasn't there a building that changed their regulations and they moved to seven night minimums? Yes, there was. And that's the one where we've got, that's where they're all at right now. Okay. We went to seven night minimums on the golf course, which most golfers are there three or four days. And it's been really tough. We've had to lower the rates quite a bit to get people to stay seven nights. And yeah, they raised their fees for the pools and stuff. It's just, they're against the short terminal owners in that complex. And, but yeah, so here's what was really interesting. So we started with the first property, started a few weeks ago. And I was thinking, okay, if Kane can't fill it up, then on that Thursday, we're going to wait for that letter. And we're going to then open it up for anybody who wants to come in. And so the email came and said, no, there, there's no gaps. There's nothing <laughs> for weeks. The whole thing is sold. Okay. 
Yeah, because I told the owner, I said, so don't worry. If Tan doesn't book it, we're going to open it and book it, open it up for bookings. And then we called him up and said, now that there's nothing for 15 weeks, 15 weeks, it's full. So that was surprising for me. Yeah. I don't think we're surprised by that. Maybe you could speak to that though, really quickly, Scott. So like we've done an episode a while ago with the demand that's there. And when you guys open weeks, it's, I think there's even like timing. We talked about last time or like Tuesday, these things open up and the people are aggressive in there. So I want to go into like operations, but maybe do a quick pet stop here as far as demand goes for people who don't know how rabid and happy these people are to book these weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, we've been on the, uh, on needing supply, right? Supply has been big and Eric hit on this, right? When he was talking about the issues in Maine, right? For us, when COVID, when the COVID boom or travel boom took off, everyone had the same response, right? They looked at it and said, what do you mean? I can make, instead of making 40, I can make 60 or with us, instead of making 20, I can make 40 and they weren't wrong, right? There was a period of time where they weren't wrong. So we really started struggling to to have enough supply to send our folks on vacation. So as this loosened up and we started to see the writing on the wall that the, the travel boom was going to slow, that's why we really put Rev Boost Collective together. We said, there's a segment of this market that just makes sense and it's not going away and it's going to come back our way. And that's why we really leaned into it. And our experience is you take places like Myrtle Beach and, and the Gulf Shores area and the Panhandle area, Maine is a good one, Florida, it seems that I don't know that we're ever going to find the day that we have enough, right? I think we can pump as much as we want in there. But to your point, Conrad, we have an entire process that's laid out for our clients. Every Tuesday, we have a new release. And on the first Tuesday of every month, we kick off a release of all new inventory for all new areas. And we're constantly releasing our schedule 13 months in advance. So we have like kind of events around here every Tuesday where people are logging in to see what we have. And that's where we can get a very good handle very quickly on, you know, even walking into a market, starting with the two units and then three and then even up in Maine, when Eric says, hey, I've got more, we can look at it and go, based on our standby list and our favorites list, we can add another 10 units, right? We can keep going. Now, at some point, I don't know when, I would, I don't want to say soon, but we're going to have to look and say, okay, it's time to start turning down a little bit. I think we're starting to get there in, in Myrtle Beach. We've added in now another partner and we're going to cross over a hundred units a week. So I think we're going to start to tap the brakes, but that is the value is once it's in, these folks are ready. And we've talked about this as well, being around for, we keep saying over 30 years, it's about to be 35 years. We've had clients around with us that long. So you look at our client base and we've got the older folks that are retired that want to travel when no one else is traveling. We've got the folks that are right on the edge that want to go right on the shoulders and they want to have a little bit of it, but not too much. And then we've got the newer, younger folks that want to be right in the middle of all the good stuff. That's really the secret behind TAN is we're going out and we have the built-in demographic to say we can fill a calendar 85, 90% of the year because that's how our demographic stretches. So glad to hear Eric say it. It has been, it's been interesting to see, even with top sale was another market we added and we had, we've had three condo units in top sale. We added a bunch of houses and they were just gone. And it was the same thing down in top sale. They said, we'll start here and see what you guys think. And then we said, yeah, okay, it's all booked. We need more. We need more. So th that's the value though of getting in these partnerships. And I love what Eric Thibodeau is doing to say, okay, now can we go out and grow with this? What buildings work? Because once 
once we get a foothold in a building, then it just, right, momentum shifts for everyone. Momentum shifts for the rental manager on the ground. It shifts for the clients. And we can start to do all good things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was, good. I think, a good overview into that process because, yeah, again, people listening may not have gone back and listened to that episode where we talked about the demand and how quick yeah. it's like a floodgates, right? You open it. But I wanted to go towards operations because when we talked to JD, we talked about how the fact that he was doing a lot of the operational work on the ground, but I actually don't know. So I guess maybe we'll go to you first, Eric Thibodeau. Um, what was that operational kind of handshake look like with TAN right now? Are you doing some of the operational pieces? Are they split efforts or are you doing good chunks of that yourself? How's that work with you guys right now in TAN? Certainly with TAN mm-hmm. or just how we operate daily. Yeah, yeah, with TAN. And then I'd love to hear maybe like how that differs from other units that may be good as well. Yeah. Yeah. We don't treat them any different other than we know that there's a TAN guest there. We have their name. I'm not going to wood. We haven't had any calls or issues about the guests that are there. And mm-hmm. so operationally, we just uh, we prepare the property. We do clean, we do inspection. And just from an operational standpoint, one of our factors that make us different is uh, in the market is our house, excuse me, our housekeepers clean one property a day. And they may do a second if there's no back-to-back in that property, where in our market, some housekeepers are cleaning five a day within a five or six-hour window, and it's just not practical. So we provide good housekeeping there. And like I said, and, and where the tan guests are, it's an area that's uh, off. The, it's on the golf course, and uh, we haven't had any issues so far. So operationally, it's been good. And yeah, we haven't had any real problems. Yeah, no, that's good to hear. Eric, I'll go your direction. Same kind of question. Operationally, I would imagine out in Maine, a more remote destination, maybe it's harder to find labor, things like that. I guess I would just love to hear your perspective on how a TAN unit operates, excuse me, differently than other properties you have in your program as well. Yeah. So just overall with the travel advantage guests, it's really like we just sink it in with everybody else that's coming. It's just part of the process. I was chuckling. I was listening to this morning. You guys are talking about keyless entry. And as I think it was my last podcast. We're again, we're a mix, right? So we'll do everything from, we have some owners with the most elaborate keypad things that get people in and far on the other spectrum, oh, the keys in the door, just walk in and grab it. So we've got it on every side. So in the same thing with the travel advantage guests, which property you go into, how do we communicate with you to make it happen? Something that we try to do, or I guess I try to do, because I'm the one doing it, is again, trying to balance that experience of just a national brand i booked it i'm going there i never talked to human being part and it being a hassle like they tell me the stories about long lines waiting for keys and all this stuff at places right which again knock on wood we've worked really hard and we're you're in you're out we're going we've not had line stuff like that so balancing giving people the experience to get in and get out and also talking to people and feeling like you're it's a it's a real person you're dealing with. Like I, this is why I tell new owners is they might not know you if you know, it's Adam, the owner, but they'll know me. So I want them to want to treat the property because Eric, I'll talk to Eric. He knows this is going on. Blah, blah, blah. And we, so we do the same thing with the travel advantage guests and just everyone's on the same page to other Eric's point. Yeah. I mean, they are, and that's the cell that I tried. I've learned just in the last three years that very low maintenance the travel advantage guests. Uh, and that's the cell that I have in what Scott knows what we're fighting with this inventory we're trying to get for you guys in a pinch is, yeah, that's the cell. Yeah, here's the number. They want this much. And look, these people aren't 
just coming here to party on the lake all day. That's that's the kind of the people get the owners get worried about is people are coming and just partying hard on the lake all week long. And with the travel advantage, people guess it's just not the case. Not yeah, the, most of the time. I'm happy to hear that, Eric, because that I think is something that we need to prove out to the market because this is a relatively new concept, right? That's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is to help the market understand what is the value that we bring. And Eric Thibodeau mentioned this too. They were anticipating that the calendars might not be full and that they might be able to open it up. So there's a lot of unknown when we start this type of partnership because the model is not known to the market. So one of the risks that a lot of managers will bring up as we start those discussions is just that on the guest side. I don't know your guest and there's a there's an unknown there that's uneasy. I think even JD mentioned that. He doesn't know the homeowners don't know those guests. He doesn't know those guests. That's not something that's normal in this industry. And I continue to hear that from all the managers that we work with, that the TAN guests are really good guests. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that they're experienced travelers. These are people who travel a lot. That's why they join this travel club. But I think the other side of that is that they are mentally and financially committed to this club. It's not as if we're going to punish them if something breaks, but they want to do good by the club. They want to do good by the property and the property managers because there's an inherent relationship that is built into this. We're all part of this one organization that we're trying to get people on these affordable vacations. I do think that the quality of guests is really strong. And then to that point you were making, Conrad, about the demand, I've been in this industry for 15 plus years and I have never seen a demand like I've seen at TAN. It's just, it's unbelievable to think that not only can you get new inventory on a regular basis, that's what Brian and I are continually trying to do is bring in this new inventory because we want to scale this club. We want to make sure our travelers are engaged. So there's this constant influx of new inventory, which is unique. But on the other side of that, you've got these club members that are waiting for that new inventory and will jump on it immediately. To know that there's a schedule where you're going to release inventory and to know that guests are going to pick up the phone and get online and book that inventory, I've never seen anything like that in the entire industry. Yeah. As the guy who owns the marketing agency, I just wish I could recreate that for all of our clients on the management side. Like, hey, we're dropping a new listing. It's all going to get booked. But uh, we, we just yeah. need to create little clubs yeah. for all of these for all of these vacation. <laughs> yeah. We'll put a pit in that. We'll come back to that down the road. There Maybe we'll do a grab bag episode and circle back to that idea. But yeah, Scott, I'd love to hear your perspective because one thing we talked about in JD's episode was the idea that, hey, we don't know Eric one or Eric two. That will maybe, can we trust them to deliver the right management experience? I guess I'm, your, I'm curious your perspective. How do you vet partners? Obviously these guys in the call have done a great job, but how do we make sure that the partner on the ground can deliver on what we need to get done, cleaning, maintenance, inspection, all the things that Thibodeau mentioned a few minutes ago? Yeah, it's funny because we took really, what do you think, out of two two burns this year with probably choosing someone that that couldn't operate for us, but the rest have been a home run and right to, to we, we had experience in Maine, right? So we were counting on Eric pulling through and delivering. And again, like he said, we saw a, we saw the slowdown in Maine and we were excited to see it bouncing back. But again, you look at it, Conrad, and we said this with JD too, when you can make a single call and Eric says, hey, don't go anywhere else. You come to me and we're going to take care of this together. That's the partnership. And it's almost, it is bred that way inherently, Conrad. And I know Booz has been doing this far longer than me, but Booz is clearly pulling us into the right relationships with the right people. I remember when Eric Thibodeau came on, Booz came running down here to say, because we've been after Gulf Shores and in that area for a long time. And he was excited. And again, part of it is 
Eric Thibodeau and their team, they had a lot of questions about us. And you look at it and it's those conversations and you both end up interviewing each other to see if the fit's there. That's the home run. That's where I think we can all look and go, we're in good hands. They're as concerned about us as we are them. Now, listen, we talked about this as well. There's always the pucker moment of the first couple of guests that go in and you go, okay, how's this going to go? To Eric Thibodeau's point, it's been off the charts. Our clients have loved it. The survey scores are coming in strong. We're having our strongest survey scores yet in Maine and since probably, I think, Boo said four or five years. We have connected with the right people. And again, I think it's because of the amount of diligence that that we put in on both sides. So another set of just really strong partners that, that we're proud to have with us. Yeah, I just say yeah, Brian's great to work with. Like he's educated me. So like I said, I came in, like Tan was just this tiny little afterthought in the back of my head, me trying to learn everything. And then just over a couple of years working with him, like I said, it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to see this value is coming around. I can see it. And like I said, he, I think I, I've talked to him more in the last two weeks than my wife. I think <laughs> if I had hair, it'd be on fire. But it, it, and it's, uh, I like it. Back to the logistics days, right? It's just, have a problem, figure it out. And yeah, it was, I was, I, it was a bad deal for you guys when the inventory, like obviously wasn't a partnership that worked out for you, but man, when I got that phone call, I like, I was like, oh, this might, this is going to save me a ton of phone calls about why aren't my places booked? And like, I am glad to do it. And it's just to circle back quickly on about educating the owners. I'm living that real time with this, trying to add this inventory. You guys were trying to work with you guys and work with the owners and make it work. And it's, some people are like, oh, that's such a great idea. This is, oh, they're going to take how many weeks? Great. And then you still these people, it's in the people, other people are just, I'm going to hold out. I'll wait. I'll, maybe I'll get something last minute. Maybe I'll get something last minute. And you can only tell them so many times, but no, it's, I'm looking forward to, it's a little bit of fun dealing with it right now. I don't know, probably maybe not so much on your end. But over here, it, it's fun, and we're trying to make it work. And uh, no, look forward to looking forward to having these conversations with the owners in the fall for next year. With now that this the gold rush, whatever you want to call it, is over, it was a more realistic conversation on how this should go. Well, that might be a good pivot, and I definitely wanted to spend a good amount of time talking about Tan and Red Boost and where the value is for you guys on the management side. But I know we've only got a few minutes left, and I'd love to get your feeling from both of you in your markets. One, about what are the trends are you seeing? ADRs, occupancy, nights booked, regulations. And then Eric Thibodeau, I'd love to save just a couple minutes towards the end when you're talking about your market, if you could discuss safety and bigger picture of, as an industry, what do we think about safety and what are you doing to help educate everybody about that? Yeah. You want me to go first or? Yeah, sure. Let's start with you. What are you seeing in your market? What are the trends? And then if you could touch on safety, that'd be great. Yeah, trends in the market are basically shorter booking windows. Average daily rate for us has fluctuated between 10 and 13% down. However, our, our occupancy has increased. And that's just because we are, what we did, I don't know, a couple of months ago, we started a weekly revenue management meeting. And we look forward to figure out how we're going to combat some of the concerns that are coming up in the market with occupancy. So we're pretty close. We had our meeting today. It's every Tuesday at 11. That's been the big trend and occupancy is down and people are holding on the prices. And so that's been a big trend from a regulation standpoint that we haven't seen any significant changes in our market other than 
lodging tax went up 3% phased in. So we're at 16% right now, both in Gulf Shores and Orange Beach as of September 1st. So it's kind of what's happening, compression, and then just uh, we'll see. Uh, we're seeing more bookings now we have in the last two years where people are coming back again and saying, hey, I want to book this property again in 2024, which we have not seen in the last two years. So that, that's been a really good piece. So I guess the only note I'd say on that, Eric, around regulations is even if the state doesn't come in and regulate, you've got buildings like you mentioned who might not be friendly towards short-term rentals. And they could start changing their rules and regulations on their own without necessarily having to worry about states stepping in. Yeah, absolutely. That's and you have a building. I'm we managed a couple of properties in one, and I got on the board to help uh, represent uh, owners. And as from a short term rental standpoint, it's only fifty three units, but it's uh, we've owned there for four years now. And it, it's definitely gone back and forth. Where hey, the owners will come in and say, "We don't want any more short term rentals here," and so it, it always creates some stress for sure. For sure. Before we pass it over to the other, Eric, what's your thoughts on safety and what are you doing around that? And maybe what's your background that, that gives you some perspective? Yeah. So thanks. So for the last 33 years, I've been a safety professional. I have multiple degrees in occupational safety and health and fire protection. So in 2020, I created Safer VRs, which is all about helping vacation rental owners and managers improve safety and loss prevention in their businesses. So I have four pillars there. I have a membership group. I have where I want to create community. I have education material that's in there. And I was working on some of that prior to here. I have consulting safety where I've had owners, property managers come up to me and say, for example, hey, I want you to build me a program to educate my team on what to do when an event occurs, when the incident occurs. So I did that. So I do consulting. I do mix in what I call transformational thinking. It's all about helping with subconscious limiting beliefs and patterns that we have that hold us back in our industry and in our lives. So I do coaching on that. And then I'm an expert witness. So I'm one of, I'll say I'm one of two people in the entire world that can provide expert witness and testimony on vacation rental, short-term rental management and safety. So that I've been doing that and I'm, I guess I'm disappointed to say that more attorneys and insurance companies have contacted me than property managers and owners. And here's the real irony of that. Most of my programs, I don't know, two dollars $3,000 a year is what it would cost, or even less, maybe more based on the size. But if I go to expert witness, it's 15000 a week. Whether I'm working for you, your attorney, your insurance company, or the other side, so... It, the numbers just don't make sense. Why? And then why would you come in and manage safety and vacation rental in your, in your properties? And uh, I would estimate that uh, let's go 75 to 85% of property managers and owners don't do anything. And it's made some improvements in the last few years. In most of the situations that I've seen where I'm involved, it's not professional property managers. It's other individual owners. So I'm really wanting to help everyone move the bar. People don't go on vacation, be seriously injured, or die. And our owners don't have 
want to have properties that are damaged or have fires or be third party to digital issues. That, that's what I'm working on. Awesome. Yeah. Right on. Maybe we can round it out. I know we're coming up against it here, guys, time-wise, but maybe we can round it out with Eric Rolls here on what you're seeing in the marketplace and then anything else that we should be aware of. Maybe any other thing you want to talk about your company and then we can put a bow on this one. Yeah, just to touch on the regulation side. So we're mm -hmm. fortunate. We're all of our lake stuff or lake adjacent properties are all in smaller towns. So that regulation stuff, and they're all single family homes. So none of that stuff has hit any of those towns yet. It's more Portland, larger coastal areas where we're seeing that. So we're fortunate that way. But yeah, no, as far as market, we were way down in days for June. It rained here 28 to 30 days or something in June. And July, we were pretty much flat for nights and we're a little, we're about 30 down for the year over year for August. Like I mentioned earlier, gross income wise, we're fairly far ahead, just based, we were fortunate to pick up some large units over the last year. So that made a big difference as far as the difference or lack of nights. But the thing for us, it's such a flash in the pan here. We are we are maybe five bookings on Memorial Day weekend. You've got, aside from travel advantage starts coming up in early June. So we have those for full weeks, but it's weekend stuff through June and then all full weeks, July and August. And then we're back to September and June mirror each other as far as just weekend stuff. Again, tan coming through with the full week stuff. And it is done by mid-October. That is it. And so it's, it makes for a pretty decent work schedule. From my perspective, I don't hate it. But you just got to be, you can't mess up in that short time. So you better, you can't slack then. Well, no, it's going the, to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's the expression, Eric? I think it's like make hay while the sun is shining. Like exactly. you got those 14 weeks to make all the hay you're going to make on that side yeah. of it. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else, Adam or Scott, that we should add in? This has been great to hear from both Eric's today. That name thing was unintentional, but it worked out just fine. Hopefully we didn't cross anybody up too badly today. Um, and we can put links to in the show notes, by the way, to Eric, what Thibodeau, what you're doing on the safety side, I think is super important. And then we'll put links to Eric as well, your property management company, Eric as well, the other Eric, we'll put kind of your links in there. But anything else, Scott and Adam, that we should add in here or ask our kind of lovely esteemed partners? Yeah, I think it's just another one of, and kudos to booze for always leading us down the right path with the right partners and just so appreciative of the partners we have right eric Thibodeau and the stuff he's doing with safety it's excellent to see how well the dots connect when everyone's intentional and clearly we're working with intentional partners and, and they're looking to do things that that make most sense for the business ours and theirs and, and taking care of the guests and then the only last thing i'll say and i think that this is the challenge conrad and maybe you know the person can we find the one person that when they were five years old said, Hey, I want to be in vacation rentals? Yeah. Can we find I know I actually know one person. I know one Okay. Person. All right. All right. I'll send you their name because I don't know if they'll say yes. So I know one person <laughs> and it's a multi-generational thing where their mom did it. So that was God, the, okay. Oh, there stuff. has to be one. I knew there yeah, had to be one. I know one. one. <laughs> I know one. I'll send you their name. No, but thank you, gentlemen. We really appreciate it. I think we're out of time today. So we'll have to put a bow on this one, but maybe we'll figure out a way to bring Thibodeau back in the future to talk more about safety because I think that's a super important topic. Thank, thanks, everyone. If you appreciate this review, or if, excuse me, if you appreciate the podcast and you got some value out of it, we always like reviews. So if you can head to your favorite podcast app of choice, click five stars and leave a short comment. That helps us out quite a bit. Thank you, Eric. One, two, Adam and Scott. We appreciate it. And we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you.